importantly, it is being inherently beneficial. You know, if you can believe whatever you want to believe, that doesn't even make sense. This song, um, can we scroll through to the chorus? Um, we believe. You, can you guys say it with me? Um, we believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. This is the good news. And He's coming back again. Wow. That's just cool. What an awesome, awesome song. We're going to share a story with you tonight of uh, a life that, uh, of someone that, that kind of grabbed that, those truths and it revolutionized her life. And we just want to say, we're excited that each one of you came. We don't believe that any of you are here by accident. And as cheesy as it might sound, we don't know all of your names and you're just getting to know us. But God knew way ahead of time that each one of you were going to be here tonight. And so um, we're just excited to share this evening with you. And we have some uh, an exciting story that we want to share with you. And we just want to say that um, when you're sharing your faith with others... Um, it, it's only possible when it's true to you. And so we're all at different places in our journey of faith, and it's okay to ask those questions. We need to ask those questions. Why do we believe what we believe? And a lot of people will get to that place where they ask the questions, and then they'll kind of just get too busy with life, and they'll just kind of do their own thing. And as Harold was saying, it's, it's not true that all faiths are the same or that... Um, yeah, that you can just believe whatever and it has the same end result. We'd like to believe that because it's easier, but it's a sloppy way of, of looking at, um, at our faith. And so it's not by accident that you're here tonight. And um, we just want to share that if, if you're going through that questioning time, don't stop with the questioning. Take the time to examine the evidence and take the time to look at uh, why you believe what you believe and what you should be believing. And there's so much in the Bible to support Christianity. So do your homework and, uh, and don't stop with the questioning because that's just the beginning. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. I want to share with you a story tonight that I've called a divine appointment, sharing Jesus in the Bible belt. Now, um, there's uh, what's called the Great Commission. I don't know. Does anybody know what the... There's, I went to Bible school, and, uh, which, which is a cool place to go, by the way. Um, but uh, there was a guy on staff. His name was Dean Whiteway. And uh, he used to be a politician. You guys know what politicians are? Yeah, of course you do. Um, and, and anyway, so people, and after he was a politician, a member of parliament, he went and, uh, went and worked at the college, you know. And so, um, and his friends in the government were like, you know, you're working over there for money, right? You know, kind of thing. And, and if you know the school, like nobody there got paid a whole lot. I mean, it's, it's Bible school wage, not real, real high wages, you know. And he said, no, no, I'm not there for the wages. I'm not there for the big money kind of thing and stuff. And they said, no, 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 tell us, why are you there? Why are you working at that college, what's now called Providence College? And they, they were kind of pushing him, you know, you're there for the money. He's like, no, I'm not there for the money. It's not, you know, blah, blah, blah. And anyway, so, so they said, well, why are you there? Why are you there? He's there. He said, I'm there because of the Great Commission. You know, and uh, some people find that funny. I don't really find that funny. But uh, anyway, it's, it's actually a bit of a play on words there for a command that Jesus left us at the end of the New Testament. And uh, the, uh, it's a little hard to read on the screen, but uh, Jesus said in Matthew 28, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So that's uh, what's called the Great Commission. It's Jesus' uh, last command to us. In Acts 1.8, 
uh, is another command that's basically along the same lines. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Uh, So we're going to kind of look at that today. And uh, so let's pray as we get started. Lord Jesus, thank you for uh, each one of these young people that are here uh, gathered with us tonight. And uh, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll touch each heart as we share uh, uh, with them tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Every uh, September, uh, I I actually um, have a privilege of hosting a radio show. And uh, it's uh, probably not... You guys ever heard of Southern Gospel? Ever heard of anybody? Anybody ever? No? Yeah? Okay. Okay, <laughs> sort of. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Just, just you? Yeah, well, there's a few hands. That's good. There's a few, few nods kind of thing. A little, you know, it's, uh, yeah. So there's a big music festival that's uh, for 20 years happened down at a place called Louisville, Kentucky. And so uh, Natalie and I went. Um, well, I've, I've gone for the last, what, 12, 13 years. There's a picture of it across the Ohio River from the Indiana side looking into Kentucky. And uh, so we were there. We've been there, like I said, many times. This one morning, we got up like we do every morning. We get up, right? And um, we're discussing um, where to go for breakfast. And, um, you know, um, it was one of those, you know, we're having a discussion, shall we say, Merit, merit, yeah, marital disputes, you know, where we're going to go. So, okay, I'll just explain to you. We were staying where the heart ends up over here in a little place. It's, it's so funny. This is called, it's called Speed Avenue. It's on Speed Avenue, which is so ironic because this street is basically a back lane. Okay, so we're staying on Speed Avenue. And we're trying to get down over beside the airport there to the Kentucky Expo Center, okay? Now, just so you understand, all those red dots that are a little hard to see, those are all McDonald's. And we wanted to go to McDonald's not because of the incredible dining experience that it is, but because they have Wi-Fi, okay? So I was trying to catch my, you know, check my email and all that kind of thing. Well, my dear wife says to me, I want to go where we went yesterday. Well, yesterday, you can see it off on the, like on the top corner there. It was totally the wrong direction, you know? And so we we're having this discussion. Why do you want to go there? Why do you, you know? Now, and guys, and there's some married guys here, they know this stuff, they don't need to know this, but you, can, you have two choices in life. You can choose to be right, or you can choose to be happy, okay? So, <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm in big trouble, big trouble. But Natalie said, she said, I would like to go where we went yesterday. Now, in the words of preacher Chuck Swindoll, sometimes the voice of God sounds an awful lot like your wife, Okay. <laughs> And so we went to where we'd been eating the day before. It was at the corner of Taylorsville Road and Bardstown Road in Louisville, Kentucky. It looked a little bit like that, kind of like every McDonald's you go to, pretty much, although they have some nicer ones nowadays. And I was perched, you know, with my Wi-Fi, and my battery on my Mac is dead, so uh, I was sitting beside the only electrical outlet in the whole McDonald's back in the corner there. Anyway, there's this young mother sitting at the next table with her infant, her little baby, and a two-year-old boy. And I thought, okay, this is going to be kind of a rowdy morning, but we'll try and make the best of it. It's the only place with a plug in the whole McDonald's, so we'll, you know. And meanwhile, Natalie's up there. She's getting our order and stuff, and I'm trying to, you know, kind of get connected with the McDonald's Wi-Fi and stuff like that. And um, this girl, um, yeah, I guess eventually you came. And uh, <laughs> you came. And, and uh, what happened next? Oh, yeah, we... Well, we prayed for our meal, and she was sitting kind of back to me, so like booth like this, and she turns around, and she totally interrupts our conversation and says, do you guys always pray for your food? 
And so I was like, well, yes, actually we do. Mm-hmm. And I've got a question for you guys. Have you ever thought of that? Do you guys, I, I don't know, does anybody pray in their house like before meals and stuff? A few of you do? Yeah. Why do we do that? What's, what's that all about? Does anybody know why we pray before meals? Any, any guesses? Any clues? Any? No? We just do it because we've always kind of done it? I see a hand. Wow. Yeah, gratitude. Absolutely. Yeah, thanking God for his many blessings. That's good. Anything else? I mean, this is just kind of an aside part to the whole thing. But I'll give you a clue. It involves the feeding of the 5,000. Well, it involves every time that Jesus and food are mentioned in the same sentence. It talks about him giving thanks. So uh, let me just read a couple of verses from, or do you want to read? Oh, we'll go ahead. Okay. From, from Matthew 14, it's uh, called the feeding of the 5,000. When Jesus heard it, when Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been killed, had been beheaded, uh, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it, was, when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And he said to them, and they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. He said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes, so they all ate and were filled, and they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments that remained. Fragrance. Not fragrance. Fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about five thousand men, besides women and children. But notice what he did, right, in verse 19. Looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave. So it's kind of like he was giving thanks to his heavenly father for providing that great miracle, that food. Uh, In the next chapter, kind of the same thing happens. So uh, there's 4,000 people gathered in this instant. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks, broke them and gave them to his disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitude. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets full of the fragments that were left. Boy, now those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. So again, notice, uh, he he receives this stuff, and he does what? He gives thanks. So Jesus modeled giving thanks before mealtime. So that's that's kind of the reason behind that. Uh, One more verse, one more passage of Matthew 26. It's called the uh, upper room where he's uh, instituting uh, communion, the Lord's Supper. As they were eating, Jesus did what? He took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So again, the same thing. He blessed and broke the bread. He gave thanks for the cup, for the, uh, uh, the uh, yeah. Well, anyway, so back to our story. <laughs> We're sitting there uh, with this girl and uh, do, doing our little prayer. We, we got this, I don't know when we started this, but ever since we met each other, when we pray, we just kind of hold each other's hands and stuff. And I don't know, I've never seen anybody else do it. But anyway, so we're sitting there praying and stuff. And then after we finish, then this girl interrupts us. And, uh, and so then Natalie said this nice little prayer, just, you know, basically a simple little prayer, right? 
Well, Cynthia was her name, and so when she asked us if we pray for our food, she asked me if I would also pray for their food. So that was interesting. I never had anyone ask me to pray over their meal before, so I said, could you pray for our food too? So because of the little kids, kept it really simple, and she's like, oh, thank you. And, and then what did she say? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right, right. I'm just trying to remember the story. You know, so this is, this is not an actual picture of her son, but the kid looks very much like the two-year-old, that uh, her son. But uh, anyway, so, so uh, we went back to eating, back to our conversation kind of thing and stuff, and we thought, well, that was kind of weird, you know. Well, she interrupts us again. She goes, where are y'all from? Because she was from there, and they talked that way down there, you know. And uh, yeah, so, and, and we said, well, we're from Canada. She's like, I ain't never met anybody from Canada before, you know. And then what was that? And then she said, uh, I ain't never been to Canada before. <laughs> she says, so what do y'all do in Canada? I says, well, we're missionaries. And she says, oh, y'all must make a lot of money, huh? <laughs> and so we laughed, too. And obviously she didn't know what a missionary was. I, I just thought of this today, but it was kind of like, oh, I should have said, yeah, my, my Lamborghini's parked in the drive through You know what I'm saying? You know, so, yeah, so, so anyway, so somehow, I don't know, you know, what the deal was, but uh, so we, we uh, didn't, we didn't laugh too, but since then, we've laughed pretty hard, you know, like being a missionary and stuff, and her thinking that we, we had a lot of money, so that was pretty funny. But, uh, so anyway, so, um, so she asked us. Well, if y'all don't make a lot of money, why do you do what you do? <laughs> and I'm sure this totally came from God, because I hadn't thought of this ahead of time. Um, it was just one of those God moments. And I just said, because God has changed our lives, and we want to tell others about him too. And she just kind of like totally went quiet, and she kind of fell on my face like this, and she said, what's it like when God changes your life? She was just like, oh, man, like what's it like when God changes your life? And, and you kind of took the moment to, what, share your testimony, right? How God had changed your life. Yeah. Well, I just thought, what a, no better way than for it to be a personal experience, you know, and to share what God had done in my life. So, again, like with your friends at school or even just whoever that you know, if they ask you for the reason of the faith that's in you, the best way is to share what God's done in your life. And there's a really, really easy way of doing that. You can do it really short. It doesn't have to be complicated. Sometimes we overcomplicate it. Jesus made it really simple. Tell them what it was like before you met Jesus. Tell them when you met Jesus. And then um, tell them how that changed your life and what was different after. So for me, I mean, before I met Jesus, I was very, um, just very sad all the time and very angry and unhappy and fighting all the time with my brother and very selfish. And I was very afraid of dying. So joy and peace and just like wasn't there. And when I met Jesus was at summer camp, and um, Harold's going to pull up a picture here of, um, I grew up in Quebec, and um, you can see there's a big Roman Catholic cathedral right in the middle of the picture, and, um, and this is what I would see from my window every day, and you can see there's mountains in the background, it's really pretty, I miss hiking there, but um, <laughs> that mountain in the background, by the way, is where Harold proposed to me, and I accepted to marry him, so that's a good memory. Um, just a little bit over to the left of that, there's a Bible camp, kind of like Turtle Mountain Bible Camp, and that's where I prayed to accept Jesus as my Savior. And so I was explaining to her that when I prayed to accept Jesus um, as my Savior, the things that I was saying in my prayer were things that I had understood that were um, important in the whole plan of salvation. And some of you, it might be the first time you're hearing this, and some of you, maybe like it's 
something that's real in your own life and you've prayed this before and it's changed your life and you know what I'm talking about. And um, so this is another method of sharing your faith with your neighbors or with your friends at school. So you can do the before, during, and after, or you can do the ABCs of salvation. Absolutely. The A is simply to admit you are a sinner. Uh, The B is to believe in the Lord Jesus. And C is confess the Lord Jesus. And you kind of took that opportunity to share that with, uh, with this girl, Cynthia. I said, Cynthia, do you um, admit that you've sinned? And her response actually really took me by surprise. She's like, oh, yeah, like, I'm, I've sinned. I've done bad things. I'm a terrible sinner. And I was like, well, that's good that you can admit that because a lot of us, you know, have a hard time admitting that. So I guess we can go on to the next step. And um, I said, do you believe that Jesus Christ died for those sins, that he took on himself the punishment that, that you deserved, and that he's the only Lord. And she said, I do believe that. She said, I've been listening to televangelists on TV, and I've heard that before, and I believe that. It's true. She said, he's the only God. And uh, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that he's Lord, then he will save you. And so we were going through that with her, and you could see she was really thinking about things. Absolutely. And so uh, we just didn't want to kind of just use the emotional, like, emotions of the moment to just kind of push her for a decision. And we were going to be around Louisville for kind of the rest of that week. And so we said, you know what? Um, let's, let's talk again. And, well, and then I asked her, I said, do you have a Bible? She's like, no. Uh, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, she's like, I'd love to have a Bible. And I was like, I think I still have, uh, you know, one of those guys. Do you remember those? Do you guys still get those in school? The Gideon New Testament? Still get those? Okay. They're yellow, I think. That's yeah. Yeah, now they have pictures and stuff. And, and I think there's also Bibles at the back and stuff. Everybody here has Bibles, right? You guys have Bibles? Yeah, okay, excellent. Because, yeah. But I, I just want to encourage you, by the way, this is a bit of an aside, but have a Bible ready. Because there's been a couple of times in my life where someone has asked me for a Bible. And, like, for example, in the year 2000, just after I started with the mission, uh, it was CSSM, Canadian Sunday School Mission at the time, now called One Hope Canada. And uh, it was the St. Fatale Center in Winnipeg. And this lady came up to me, and she was looking at one of our brochures, and she, kind of like Cynthia, she had this question about, uh, what does it mean to be born again? I'm like, what does it mean to be born again? Like, let me tell you. And uh, so I explained to her salvation through uh, some of these steps. And uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, just pulled it out, you know. And uh, yeah, and I was able to, to uh, lead this lady to Christ and stuff. And, and she, too, didn't have a Bible. She, so, uh, and anyway, and I had my... Best Bible. I mean, it wasn't this one because I gave it away, right? But, um, you know, so I had my best Bible along, and I was like, well, this lady doesn't have a Bible. So I gave her, and I had spent years highlighting it and stuff like that. So anyway, I just want to encourage you guys, like, have a Bible, like, in your locker. And, like, in, in, in our case, we had it on the dashboard, uh, or on the dashboard, in the glove box of the car. So I was able to give her one, and so that was really, really cool. And so at least I didn't have to give her my best one. But, but uh, maybe keep that in mind. Have a Bible ready so when someone needs one, then uh, you can ask for one. Like, just even in your locker at school, or like in your mom and dad's car, or wherever in your backpack, you never know when it could come in handy, and you never know when you might need it, too. I remember I was um, traveling on a plane, and, or actually on a bus that time, and there was a 76-year-old lady. She had been traveling all the way from Vancouver, B.C. She was going all the way to Toronto. She was going to be on that bus for five days, and she was going to visit her son who was dying, and he was, like, he was really, really, really afraid of dying because he didn't know the Lord Jesus in his heart. And so he didn't know what came after death. And um, like I, too, gave her my Bible, and she was so thankful. She's like, I'm going to give this to my son. So you never know when it can come in handy. Mm-hmm. 
So that was kind of when we parted ways with this, this girl, Cynthia. And uh, like I said, we knew we were going to see her again. But it was a little harder getting back in touch. I mean, we had concerts and stuff at this music festival. We wanted her to come. But she's like, no, no, it didn't work, didn't work. And in the meantime, she had a big falling out with her boyfriend. And it was, her world was just going crazy. And she was not very well physically and stuff like that. But um, do you want to talk about Sunday? What happened on Sunday? Yeah, well, she was diabetic. And what she didn't tell us was that she had run out of insulin. And if you know anything about diabetics, they need insulin to live. It's like, I can't even describe it for them. If they don't have that, their body shuts down and they can die very quickly. And so she was too embarrassed. She didn't want to ask us for money. She didn't want to ask us for medication. And so when we went and knocked on the door on Sunday morning to tell her, like, well, because she had accepted to come to church with us, but when I went to the door to go and get her, she was almost passed out on the couch, and her kids were kind of running free in the house, and she's like, I'm too sick, I can't go. So I pressed her, and I says, well, what's wrong, what's wrong? And she says, I'm, I'm out of insulin, and my dad is um, wiring me some money, but I'm not going to have it till 4.30, and I haven't eaten anything, and I don't have the energy to feed myself. And So anyway, so we, um, we did what we could. We... Um, Somehow she managed to get the medications. Long story short, we picked up some McDonald's for her and uh, helped her clean the house because her parents were coming and she wanted to impress them. And so there was a big day of just helping her out physically. She wasn't mentally able to receive any kind of information at that point. And so it was just being there for her and showing her that we cared and that we loved her. And then, what was it, 8 o'clock at night? Um, well, in the restaurant, we had told her, would you like us to get together again and, and go through with you from the Bible what the scriptures say? Don't you want to like hear from God what he has to say about how he can change your life? And she's like, yeah, I want to hear what God has to say. So um, in church that Sunday, Harold had helped me underline all the verses to the Romans Road. And maybe you can explain it, because it was new for me. I hadn't heard it before. Yeah. Have, has any, have any of you ever heard of the Romans road to salvation? Any, does that? Okay. Okay. So this will be a little bit familiar material for you, but maybe you can help us with the presentation kind of thing. <laughs> no, no, I just teased you, you know, but, uh, if you haven't heard of this, then, um, uh, what I do in my Bible at the front of my Bible, I write, uh, Romans three verse 23. Cause what this Romans road does, it takes you all through Romans and explains the way of salvation verse by verse. And so right at the very start of it in, uh, in, in right at where it says Romans in the book, I write three verse 23 and, uh, Romans three 23 says for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that's a pretty basic, uh, fundamental truth. Like Natalie was saying, like the A and the ABCs there admit that you're a sinner. And, uh, so that's a basic first step admitting, Hey, I'm, I've sinned. And, um, uh, you know, the, the whole idea of falling short of the glory of God, you might picture that, you know, you're kind of on one side of the valley and you're trying to jump across this, this crevice, this valley to where God is, but you keep missing the mark. And, and we try doing all kinds of good stuff. We, you know, give money to good causes. We serve at places and stuff, but all that kind of stuff falls short. It doesn't get us to God. And so next to that verse, you can write the reference to the verse that comes after it. So it's kind of like uh, kind of like a treasure hunt. You know, it leads you to the next clue, and then the next clue tells you. So you don't even have to have it memorized. And it says that for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And it talks about how there's a penalty for sin, and that um, if it wasn't for Christ, we would be paying that penalty, an eternal separation from God. From Romans 6.23, we go on to Romans 5, verse 8, and it talks about even before uh, 
while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. And, and that kind of reminds us of uh, John 3.16. Does anybody know John 3.16 here? You guys memorize that? Yeah? Do you want to say it? Excellent. Absolutely. Good job. And this kind of backs that up as well. God loved us so much. What, while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. And then Romans 10, 9, that if you confess, right, we're talking about the C-A-B-C, confess with your mouth. Now, confess can be to admit something. In, in this case, my understanding is that you're, you're verbalizing what you've understood and you're saying it back to God. So if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that's a promise. It's not a maybe. If you believe that and you confess it and you accept that, God promises to save your soul. And then Romans 10, verse 13, you know, it's not like, you know, doing all kinds of rituals and religious stuff for everyone who, what? Calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's just like saying, Lord Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner. I need you to save me. Isn't that simple? You know, you don't have to do all kinds of, all kinds of rituals and stuff. Just, Lord Jesus, I need you. And then verse uh, 5, chapter 5, verse 1. So it skips around a little bit, so that's why you kind of want to write the reference to the next one. And then I underlined it, so, because, like, you know, I can get kind of nervous easily, so at least when I was going over it with Cynthia, it was already underlined, so I could find it faster, and, and that way, too, she could read it for herself. But it says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God, and that's what she was after, is peace, right? God sometimes doesn't let us alone, because he that lack of peace that we have, we, we need to listen to that. Before I knew Christ personally, I didn't have that peace. And it's like God was not leaving me alone. Like He just wouldn't let it go until I had that peace, until I knew for myself. So we have peace with God through, Jesus, through, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't know where you guys are at tonight, but, you know, like um, our family growing up, we'd often go to these... Uh, Crusades, you know, it sounds like something from the uh, 1200s or whatever. But we'd go and hear these fiery preachers and stuff like that. And they're like, if you have not accepted Jesus into your life, let tonight be the night. You know, like they'd kind of say that with authority kind of thing, you know. And, and I'd be, my heart would be racing. I'd be like, oh man, I'd be, my hands would be sweating, my brow just dripping, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, and that's like Natalie said, you know, it's kind of like the Holy Spirit kind of gives that when we're not in tune with God, when we're walking our own way, that we're lacking that peace. And I don't know if there's anybody here tonight that's kind of, man, I can relate to that. I'm really lacking peace, you know. And uh, if so, we want to we pray a prayer just a little bit later on that, um, yeah, that can really open uh, the, your heart's door to the Lord Jesus. Uh, Romans 8, I love this passage. I've actually memorized this, uh, not in this version, but... Um, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation, no uh, means being condemned to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. That means, you know, because of, of giving our lives to Jesus, because of walking in uh, what's called the Holy Spirit, the walking with us, that means uh, the, the judgment that we deserved is no longer upon us. And at the end of that chapter, Paul says, for I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, he lists all this stuff, eh? nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to what? Separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God loves us so much, there is nothing that can come between us and him. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I want to say that when God changes your life, you know it because there's a transformation that happens that, that you experience and you live. And if you've experienced it, you know what I'm talking about. And the Bible here tells us that we're new and uh, we're renewed and we're transformed. So we went through those verses Natalie did with, uh, with this girl, Cynthia, down in Louisville, Kentucky. And it was just, just beautiful at the end of it. Do you want to tell these folks what happened? Oh, I get to tell them? Yeah. <laughs> well, at the end, um, Cynthia prayed. And she said, I, I want to pray that prayer. And I want to accept Christ into my life. And um, it was just a beautiful moment. What a privilege to be able to, to pray with her. Um, she wanted me to pray the words because she thought maybe she'd forget something. And so... I prayed it, and then I paused, and she repeated the words, and they were, I told her, Cynthia, it's not a magic prayer, it's not a formula, it has to be from your heart to God, and that's what he's listening to, is, is your heart and what you're telling him, so um, you can change the words, just make it your own, and, and so she prayed that back to God, and that night, Cynthia um, gave her life to Christ, and it was just a beautiful experience to get to lead someone in that prayer, and to see... Um, yeah, just the peace that she had afterwards. We're going to be around uh, to, I, I don't know what's happening after this. Uh, imagine the loud guitarist and a rock and band will be back. But uh, we just, uh, Natalie, would you lead these dear young people in that prayer that you led her with? Maybe there's someone here tonight that says, you know what, I'm ready. I want to pray that prayer. Yeah, and just the personal note of testimony. I wasn't planning on sharing this, but I, I grew up in a Christian home. And... Um, I went to Sunday school when I was nine. After Sunday school, it was a, the Sunday school message was great. Um, it was all about, you know, our eternal destiny and whether we're going to go to heaven or whether we're going to go to hell, if we're going to be with God or if we're going to be separated. Well, I knew my parents had made this decision, and I was scared stiff. Like, at the age of nine, I just thought, I, I don't want to be separated from my family. So I prayed this prayer, and um, I, um, I really did use it as a fire escape. Like, it was more out of fear. It wasn't because I loved God. It wasn't because I wanted to obey him. It was because I wanted to be with my family. <laughs> and um, God wouldn't let that rest. So from the age of nine till I was almost 16, I would go to sleep at night, and, like, I was afraid. What if Jesus comes back in the night? Like, because he knows my heart, and I don't feel ready. And um, and the other thing, too, is that nothing had really changed. Like, I was still treating my brother the same way. I was still unhappy, and I was still selfish, and... Um, so I began praying, God, if like that you'd help me understand um, what this means, and if if I don't know you personally, then don't give me peace until I until I find you. And it was at camp that I found that um, God made it very clear to me that week when I was at Bible camp. And if you haven't had a chance to go to Bible camp, it's a really good experience. Um, you'll have a lot of fun and also learn a lot about God in a very short amount of time. So it was the Bible camp that. Uh, I made that decision, personal decision, and it, that's when I decided, Lord, like, I, I want to give you my life. I want to like, give you control of my life. I don't want to just pray a prayer because of whatever. I want it to be real, and I give you the reins of my life, and I want you to be in control of it. And that's when things changed. That's when I have the joy came in my life, which is a fruit of the Spirit, and peace and love for others, and a desire to see other people come to know Jesus. So, we just want to make ourselves available tonight. We're all at different places in our journey. Maybe you've prayed the prayer and you're having doubts. And you just want someone to pray with you to find that peace. Or maybe you've never made that decision. Or maybe you have that, um, uh, that assurance, but you're not sure how to share it with your friends. Maybe you're being ridicul ridiculed at school or maybe you're afraid to be. 
And so we just want to be here for you just to encourage you and put our arm around you and pray with you if you want. But we'd like to lead in uh, the prayer that I led Cynthia in. And if that's your heart tonight and you want to say that prayer in your heart back to God, then we invite you to do that. So let's just all close our eyes and um, take a moment before God. Lord Jesus, I admit that I've done wrong. Um, I know it, and you know it, and you know that I'm a sinner, and I need you because you're the only one that can forgive me for my sin. I believe that you died on the cross to pay the penalty of my sin so that I wouldn't have to be separated from you forever. And I believe that you are the only true God, and I want to confess with my mouth today that that you are Lord, Lord of creation, and also Lord of my life. And I give my life to you. I pray that you forgive me for my sins. I want to live for you, starting from right now. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. Amen. And if anyone prayed that prayer tonight, we'd love to, to chat with you and share more. And I'm sure Pastor Danny would as well. And uh, just want to encourage you, as Natalie did, uh, to, uh, yeah, if you've never worked at camp, um, spend some time because you'll grow like crazy and you'll learn so much. And, uh, oh, yes, the, uh, we, our, our mission for years has had a little chart called the Bible Reference Chart. And this is one handy little tool. And as I mentioned, I led this lady to Christ at St. Fatale Center uh, back a few years back. And I was able to use this tool. It just glues into your Bible and uh, the ABCs of salvation in there. Uh, you know, people, when you share your faith with them, they'll have all kinds of objections. They'll be like, well, not now, some other time. And it'll tell you what verses to look up for that. You know, I can be good enough on my own. And, uh, you know, I am a church member and on and on and on. Uh, it talks about religion versus relationship and, and versus to help Christians. You know, if you're ever discouraged or if you're ever down or if you're ever, as Natalie said, kind of lacking assurance, am I really saved? You know, did it really work? There's verses in here. It'll direct you where to find the answers for that. Anyway, we've got a whole bunch of these brand new hot off the printing press. They're back at our table. Help yourself. They're free as could be and uh, help yourself to those. So, um, yeah, let's turn it back to the band. <laughs> 